Hey guys, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven. That's my lovely wife, Liberty. And this is a podcast where we try to get our significant other interested in our hobbies by talking about the latest in books and sports news. And like last week, we're going to be splitting the episodes up. Sports will be on Tuesdays, books will be on Thursdays. And this week's episodes are going to be pretty weird. We had a really rough night of sleep thanks to an air conditioner leak. And uh, all I have to say is my weird is probably going to be up to about five or ten levels. It's going to be very interesting to say the least. It was weird hearing it rain all night long in the house. I'm just glad it got fixed. Correct. Um, the cat didn't like it raining in the house though. No, she was throwing fits literally all night long. But I hope you have the latest in sports scores and news because I have no idea what's going on. So the good news is I have a lot of that. Scores were interesting this week. I, I kind of just focused on what I deemed was like bigger events. Okay. Obviously you have a lot of inner squad matches going on right now in the NHL, MLB, and then this past week the MLB started their actual exhibition games as well. Nothing that really like was, this is dire, we need to talk about it score-wise too much, but um, we will start in the FA Cup because that's kind of big, the championship of all of England. You right, know? right. Kind of a big thing. We had the semifinals, they were being played the day we're recording today being Sunday and yesterday. The big upset though was Arsenal beat Man City 2-0. Man City was the favorite out of the group left to win it. So it's kind of a... Well, they weren't my favorite. Well, obviously, as Man United's still in it and they're playing later today, you know, it was definitely amazing. Uh, but and the reason I brought it up, not just because it was an amazing upset, but Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who is an ex-Dortmund striker, yep. uh, was the only person to score. Scored two goals. Nice. One in the 19th and one in the 71st minute of the match. So he, uh, you know, continued to show that players that leave Dortmund continue to do well no matter where they end up. Unlike the players from Bayern who go to MLS soccer teams and then retire. Well, in fairness, uh, Schweinsteiger had checked off quite a few boxes before he decided uh, retiring in in the MLS was a good idea. As well, too, he had a small stint with Manchester United where literally all you did was bench him and never play him, so... Yeah, that was probably a mistake. Yeah. I like Schweinsteiger. And then, obviously, today's match, uh, Manchester United versus Chelsea a little later today. Uh, It should be kicking off within the hour, so as we're probably recording the book podcast, uh, it will be being played. Yeah. And then, Premier League, there were some pretty good matches as well. Uh, Manchester United defeated Crystal Palace 2-0. I know you're happy to hear about. I am. Just your team continually just move up a little bit more in the table. Crystal Palace is always a weird team to watch. Yeah, they're either really on point or not at all. It's one or the other, usually speaking. Thankfully, they were not at all. Yeah, you had a goal by uh, Rashford in the 45th plus one minute of stoppage, and uh, by Martial in the 78th minute. Going back into other scores, it wasn't a very good week for Newcastle. Again, we ended up having to play Tottenham and lost 3-1. to one. Arsenal seems like they're on a little bit of a roll beating teams they're not expected to beat because they also beat Liverpool this week in the normal Premier League. That's um, weird. They beat them 2-1. to one. What's really important about this one for a loss for Liverpool is it takes them out of contention for most points in a single season recorded by a team in the standings. So they're not going to be able to set the single season record now due to the loss to, uh, to Arsenal. I don't know that that's such a big deal, but... Well, it seemed like it was Liverpool's year to kind of set all the records, and that's why they're aiming for the... The best of the best, and then mm-hmm. fell short. Uh, Manchester United also played Southampton earlier in the week and drew out 2-2. Yeah. Um, 
Southampton, again, is kind of one of those teams where it's just like they play really well against good teams and then really bad against not-so-good teams. So it's just a rough loss. Well, not really a loss. A, lo- a rough draw there. Mm-hmm. And then Bournemouth, ranked 18th. This is the one that blew my brains. Currently in the table, 18th in the table, versus Leicester City, ranked number four on the table, lost 4-1 to one to Bournemouth. So just an absolute blowout. There was a red card in the match, but it was later in the match, after they had already scored two goals. So but that definitely helps get the thing in the bag. Definitely put the buffer available, that's for sure. So, you know, it was an interesting week. There were definitely some upsets during the week. So, you know, that, that kept the Premier League and the FA Cup interesting, that's for sure. But that's pretty much all I have for scores. I really didn't delve deep into a lot of the exhibition games and things like that. It just didn't seem like big news by any means. Well, it's we're not going to have a lot of score news until later this month. Yeah, and, you know, I'll talk about MLS, I guess, is back as a Chicago Fire and Dallas or FC Dallas fan. Obviously, FC Dallas not being in the tournament. I'm following Chicago Fire very, very closely. They upset the previous year champions, Seattle Sounders. That was an exciting little tidbit of MLS news, for me at least. I was just like, well, at least one of my teams did something right this week, since there's not a lot of teams playing right at the moment. Right. MLS has weird names. Yeah. The Sounder. Yeah, the Seattle Sounders. Um, What the hell is a Sounder? I don't know, but they have the San Jose Quakes as well. Like, Earthquakes, I guess. No, I understood that. It's just dumb. Yeah. But other than that, I think it's predominantly just sports news that I have for us mm-hmm. this week it, again. Well, the little I have starts out with there's a Yankees player who was on Instagram making posts that to me just sounds like he was being a whiny little brat about the fact that he's suspended and he doesn't get to be with all of his friends when right. the season starts. And then people took it as him retiring from baseball and then he had an interview where he basically just walked back those two instagram posts well what else is he supposed to do in that instance you know it's like dude you can't be vague in the world of social media because everybody will make their own opinions about whatever you said well it was really cryptic and it was in spanish and the translation basically said that he was done with baseball and like how else are you supposed to interpret that as anything other than you retiring and he basically said he's had a hard year and he knows it's his fault yada 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 and you know me i don't like to hear rich whiny people yeah it's definitely not one of your hot topics for the week usually speaking yeah but i mean you've had a lot of people during the week who've been doing and saying things and not realizing their impact like um who was it that had the blue line mask? Oh, yeah. uh, James Harden from the Houston Rockets showed up to camp wearing a mask with the thin blue line. You know, right. And that. he said it was the only one he could find that fit him. I don't know what he looks like, so I don't know if there's like an accurate he's, thing. He's got a massive beard. That was his big concern was trying to keep his beard in check and not smash it like a lot of the other masks were doing. And so I don't know how well his argument is as that being the only mask that really fit him well but at the same time you need to take a second and think about what you're doing because even if all you're doing is walking around wearing that mask people are going to take it as a political statement 
Yeah, and and again, he he arrived at the facilities to do his quarantine time and was wearing that mask. And he immediately got on his social media once he started seeing it becoming quite a bit more popular than he hoped it would. To be like, wait guys, you saw my Instagram and my Twitter and so on and so forth where I definitely don't support that at all. Like he goes, I'm not against having police officers. But at the same time, I'm not the guy that's like, protect every officer, even if they're bad officers. You know, that's Mm -hmm. not his MO at all. I just think these players are so disconnected from reality that they're not realizing the things that they say and do matter, even if it's just the tiniest thing, simply because they have such a large audience. I was going to say, money kind of distances you from people sometimes and you know it very well could just be something as stupid as that they're used to being more or less like gods just not realizing they are almost at the same time like to certain fans i guess is the way that they are they're acting i mean they're just humans who make a lot of money but they have to realize that they're being watched anytime they're out in public especially right now when they don't have actual sports to watch especially it's it's definitely social media is very much the presence that people are accepting for any kind of sports related anything at this point is now that everybody's starting to show up to camps and they're having like their own little scrimmages and practices and things like that it's going to be pushed away a little bit more from the social media side of everything because they're going to actually have sports again but at the same time you still have to be aware of kind of the power that you have and and utilize it correctly and then the other thing the only other thing I have for baseball is the Blue Jays aren't allowed to play in Canada. Yeah, so crazy story about that. They they got the local city to approve them playing in Toronto. They got the state to approve them playing in Toronto. And they were waiting basically on the national government to decide whether it was a yay or a nay. And the head of the department for the Canadian government that would handle these things for health services basically said, unlike the NHL where all the the players are staying in two cities. 99.999% of the teams are coming from America where COVID is running rampant and they're not going to allow teams to come to Canada and give them the waiver. So basically they their stipulation that the Canadian government gave them was you can play here as long as every team that comes to play here quarantines for 14 days, which That's is never gonna obviously happen. not going to work. So Especially in the shortened season that the MLB is going to have, it's just, it's not a realistic option, to say the least. Yeah. So, the Toronto Blue Jays are trying to figure out exactly where they're going to end up. There's rumors that they'll end up in Buffalo, because there's some decent, decently sized stadiums for minor league teams in Buffalo for, for baseball. Or if they'll end up back in Florida at their spring training camp, which, it's like, do you really want to go back there after you got to Toronto? At least in Buffalo, it's not spreading at nearly the rate that it is in Florida. Right. So it, I'm sure we'll get news on that later this week to figure out where Toronto is going to play their home games this year. We just know that it won't be in Toronto during the regular season anyways. There's discussions with the Canadian government as to whether come time if the Ameri- or the U.S. teams get their act in order with COVID spread in the United States that the players would be allowed to play playoff games there. But that's far enough away to where it's just like a thought in the long term where having an answer really isn't necessary right at this point. Right. We'll stay on the subject of baseball, I guess. So COVID-19 testing report came out. It's the first report related to full team rosters arriving at their summer camps. I love the name of it because that's the way every single player is acting like they're at summer camp right now. They had six 
total positive tests amongst 10,548 samples, which is pretty pretty slim number of actual yep. tests coming back positive. The standards for testing have been also put in place. Um, there's two different tiers here, either two, tier one or tier two. All active players are going to be in what they call tier one testing status, where they are being tested literally every other day. I cannot imagine having one of those things shoved up my nose every other, every day. other day. I'm hoping they have the crossover with maybe one of the saliva tests or something along those lines, because otherwise the struggle is going to be real for those guys. Right. I really feel bad for them. And then the tier two testing program is twice a week, unless you're on an organization that has positive COVID tests. And if you're part of that organization and a tier two person, you get tested three times a week. Okay. So they kind of adjust according to what really needs to happen. Obviously, all the organizations are required to do temperature checks when you arrive to yeah. the facilities. So they're doing everything that they really can to kind of cut back on it. And it shows six tests amongst 10,000 tests taken. That's, that's not a bad percentage. It's right, like less no. than a percent, which is great. And then on the news of COVID-19, the big one this week uh, was Yasiel Puig. This poor man had, I shouldn't say poor man, he's definitely done it to himself a little bit, has ended up with multiple organizations throughout the last two seasons It just kind of hopped around a little bit everywhere. He had an opportunity to sign a contract with the Atlanta Braves under the stipulation that he doesn't test positive for COVID-19. He tested positive for COVID-19 and Atlanta immediately terminated his contract. I don't know who this person is. Yasiel Puig is probably one of the more explosive players in the MLB right now. He definitely has a little bit of an ego and attitude amongst himself sometimes. Uh, last year, he was involved in two bench-clearing brawls as an instigator, so not that he's the kindest guy in the world. He's definitely very fired up when he comes out onto the field to play, and it's kind of weird because it's baseball. It's not like you're trying to knock somebody's head off in football or anything like that. But This sounds like a guy that I wouldn't like if I did know who he is, so maybe it's better that I don't know who he is. So the tough thing for him now is where does he end up now? Because he basically burned himself in the two teams that he played in last year. L.A. more than likely doesn't want to take him back just due to his contract dollar amount size requirements. Atlanta was very interested in him, but, you know, they... The stipulation was that he wasn't going to test positive for COVID, and he did, so... He's going to go home and quarantine, hopefully. And then hopefully his agent will find him somewhere else to go for his sake. Or hopefully not. I don't know who this is. And then the other big news in MLB is swirling around the New York Mets organization. There's been a group of people led by uh, Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez trying to purchase the New York Mets. The New York Mets owner has been honestly shopping a cell for a couple Couple years now and so it's finally starting to get more serious it seems like there's a little bit of a bidding war there's currently two offers on the table for the organization it was kind of shocking to me that an MLB team like the Mets who had like they've been good in more recent years but prior to that they had a lot of down years you know they, they were always kind of the joke they were the second-rate team in New York because the Yankees were obviously always the team in New York so there's a two billion dollar offer from a hedge fund billionaire Steve Cohen on the table currently because um, that's a good thing to spend your money on, but yeah, go on. right. And he's he's with a small group. I think, it, if I remember correctly, it's him and two other people investing. So it's definitely the stronger offer on the table due to that, as far as I could see. Just because you're having less hands in the pot usually makes less problems. Okay. The bid from Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez's group is coming in at $1.7 billion. So a little less money, $300 million, which is... Pretty big chunk of money. 
a, a lot less money, but yeah. Cool. Um, but it includes players like Brian Urlacher of the Bears, the Hall, recent Hall of Famer, Travis Kelsey, DeMarco Murray, and the list literally goes on. And that's what's scary about it. It's it's anywhere from right now estimated from eight to ten different people investing into this buyout. So there have been a lot of sports teams in the past who have had groups of people come in and buy organizations. And the trend is, let's not let the offers that come in from way too many people be the ones that end up buying the team, even if it's a lower bid in the past. You know, the Rangers were purchased by a group of, I believe it was like four or five people. And even then the sports world was like, that's too many people. Why are we letting them buy this team? I don't get what the big deal is, but okay. But um, part of that Alex Rodriguez group offer, and this is kind of a gray area right now because there's a lot of rumors and speculation related to it, but Robert Kraft, who's the owner of the New England Patriots, is being tied to this offer as well. He's recommending or he's willing to come in and build a similar shopping center to the one that's attached to Gillette Stadium right now. So they made Gillette Stadium kind of a... I would almost say like we have up where we have Nebraska Furniture Mart up here in the colony where everything is being built around the one thing. Okay. And therefore people will go there now because it's a mall because there's other things there other than right. just Nebraska Furniture Mart. And that's kind of the method that he's trying to pull. Robert Kraft is willing to invest money in building like a mega mall that would be attached to the Met Stadium in order to bring in money there as well as help the organization grow which is really the only huge positive I see in them coming with a bid $300 million short, is it's like, there's going to be more revenue money coming in because we're going to have this attached, you know? Right. So New Yorkers will come to shop during the day and maybe catch the day game, just cruise across the breezeway and watch a game, you know, type of a situation. And then, honestly, the last bit I have of sports news in the MLB anyways was a weird announcement. Obviously, you see, like, the Bundesliga who have the crowd noise from, like, previous games being played by Fox Sports and some of the other broadcasters are doing the same thing with just crowd noises. The MLB has announced that they're going to play crowd noise from the video game MLB The Show. That's so dumb. So you're going to get video game crowd noise during your baseball matches this year. Does it sound more realistic than real crowd noise? That's the weird thing. So I haven't played MLB The Show in recent years, so I'm really not an expert by any means. It just seems like it would sound really fake, whereas an actual crowd would sound more realistic. I agree wholeheartedly there. I feel like the old match recordings would probably be better suited to solve that problem overall. But that, that's going to be the weird thing, I think. And I, I'm i supportive and I'm not. Like, I like crowd noise. I don't like the way it was. it's being done, I think, is my big problem at this point. Well, I mean, when they put crowd noise over my Dortmund game when we were playing you guys, all of your fans just started talking crap. And now you suddenly support it. I, again, I'm not, I'm not 100% on the crowd noise boat, but... At the same time, it's if they're playing it in the stadium for the players, I could see that as one thing. But like as a recording for a game, especially baseball, as slow as and quiet as it can be, unless they're hitting the ball, it's relatively a quiet sport. It's not like soccer where you have the players talking all the time. In baseball, it's like here comes the pitch, and you heard the ball hit the leather glove. You know, like right. it's it's gonna be a lot slower and quieter. So like I understand the purpose of the crowd noise in baseball for soccer. I watched some matches with and without it, and I can tell you it was better without it most of the time. It definitely was, yeah. It's 
going to be weird to see. Obviously, all the major sporting teams are having to figure out, like, or organizations are trying to figure out what they're going to do with crowd noise and whether they're playing it in the stadium speakers or they're playing it over the feed. Over yeah. the feed itself, so. Well, for NBA, I have the fact that they're shortening the exhibition game, so it's 10 minutes per, it's not period, quarter. Right. Wow, that's really dumb. Can you tell she's a hockey fan, ladies and gentlemen? (laughs) It's 10 minutes instead of 12? Yeah. I got that. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure why they're changing it, like... Saves you eight minutes a game. Eight minutes a game. I just don't know what an extra eight minutes of playing is going to do to a player during an exhibition game. I just, I can't really see. They just don't want to gas them too soon, I guess. I don't know. Well, like, I can kind of understand that because, you know, if, if you've been watching any of the social media of any of the NBA teams, they're literally, they're taking the term summer camp to summer camp. Like, right. they're out there paddle boating and, like, fishing and playing cornhole as well as, like, kicking basketballs into hoops and, like, messing around. Like, the greatest stuff I've enjoyed, personally, is all the Mavericks stuff that's been going on here mm-hmm. in social media. You know, it's it's just been enjoyable to watch how ridiculous these guys are. But they are having serious practices still, so, like, it's not like they're going to come right out of just sitting down for months at a time either. The only other NBA news I have, I'm sure you have more, is a guy named Damian, is it Lillard? Yeah. Dame Lillard. He uh, apparently is a rapper or something, as well as being an NBA player. And so he set up a recording studio in his little room in the so, Orlando bubble. This is gonna. This is becoming something that's pretty entertaining as well as seeing what these guys are actually doing to their rooms. Um, there were a couple of players that took on streaming video game playing while they were during quarantine, Why and have come to enjoy it so much that they literally brought their entire gaming systems and like their own gaming desks and headsets and like their light setups and all that stuff to the actual to hotel rooms so obviously these guys are getting what would normally be a double queen room with a king bed and all the leftover space so like they got room to do stuff so i'm not shocked i think it's weird like do you acoustically record in the bathroom so you get those echoey acoustics for like certain recordings i mean he's a rapper so i doubt he needs to have the acoustics yeah he's not breaking out in like songs what you're trying to say right (laughs) right and apparently his rapping name is Dame Dalla. I didn't even know that, and I don't want to know it. That's so Because his name's Damien, so yeah. Dame. Well, makes me think of a lady, so it doesn't make any sense to me, but <laughs> he uh, he's doing the thing, I guess. Yeah. And then there were two other, like, tidbits of NBA news. It was actually a pretty slow week with NBA news, shy of, like, everybody arriving to camp. So this past week, everybody has more or less checked in at this point and served their quarantine time. Yeah. So everybody's starting to go to the actual practices and facilities. You're seeing small team scrimmages. We're not quite to allowing full rosters practicing together yet. That's kind of the weird thing with the NBA. They didn't really set a standard for that necessarily, but teams are kind of taking it on their own pace, more or less. Well, they want to be able to actually play in the playoffs, which you can't do if everyone's sick. Right. And then the other thing that they announced was related to regular season awards, like MVPs and like most blah, 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 blah type award type situations, more or less. They're not going to be taking any of the qualifying games into account for that. So the qualifying games to get into the playoffs will not be a part of the regular season for regular season MVPs and other awards that they give out in the NBA. 
I mean, to a degree I can understand, because for hockey, I don't consider our qualifying games as regular season. Yeah. So. It's more or less like an, a knockout opportunity in a tournament to join the playoffs. Yeah. And so it shouldn't be seen as the regular season as well. Speaking of hockey, though, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of news in hockey. Well, because I think we're pretty close to coming back. We've already released the schedules for the games, but now we've also released the schedule for exhibitions, which are going to happen before the qualifying round, just so everyone can get their skates under them. Yeah, on top of that, teams have been able to do inter-squad matches now that they are actually all in the same practice facilities now. There's no stipulation as to X amount of players are allowed to practice. Everybody can be on the ice at the same time. They are limited in coaching staff, so they can't have nearly as many people like there as they normally would. They're allowed to be in the facility, but they're not allowed to be in proximity to the players, which I think is good. It, it obviously is controlling whatever you can control at this point. Right. Well, I mean, your players need to practice, so they all need to be to get together. But for the coaches, that's not necessarily so true because they could just practice with the individual squads that they need to work with. Like goalie coaches don't need to be down there during practice unless they're working with the goalies. Right. And so when it comes to when it comes to the discussions related to trying to cut down the spread of COVID, obviously the NHL is probably experiencing a little bit of a spike in it just because you have all these players now around each other a little more often. They're doing very well of keeping it out of the press because of the CBA agreements that were signed amongst the players, the coaches, and the ownership. So they're not allowed to say whether somebody directly tested positive for COVID. They're just releasing the COVID test numbers. Well, that's technically what they're all supposed to do, right? Like- they're not supposed to announce who has it that breaks HIPAA in America. Yeah, it does break HIPAA-related laws in instances like that, but they are titling it a little bit differently because they're also not doing injuries. They're categorizing it all as one thing, which is unfit to play. The NHL's always been kind of strange about injuries. They don't really like to talk about things too much as to what the injuries are until, like, way down the line when it's like, why has he been out for three weeks? Well, it's because he tore this. You know, otherwise they pretty much keep their cards to their chest, whereas the NBA and the MLB are are pretty straightforward about injuries unless they think they're minor injuries in which case just like the NHL they're like it's an upper body or it's a lower body injury in in those instances it just seems like there's a lot of players that are being categorized into this like obviously we had Corey Crawford the first week in the Blackhawks camp that was unfit to practice he still hasn't returned to practice after the first week and then you have in instances of like the defensemen in the Blackhawks we're down four of our defenseman that came to camp due to being unfit to play yeah so obviously you can put two and two together they're not leaving the practices hurt so what do you think it is you know well i mean you shouldn't speculate to begin with because you never know like we just watched the inter-team scrimmage for the Penguins, and Crosby yeah, walked from off right. because he had something tweaked, and everyone immediately jumped to, he's really injured, and the people who actually talked to him on a daily basis went, no, it's not a serious injury, he's fine. Yeah, so you had Shiri come out and basically say it was probably just an equipment issue, and then you had the announcers in the actual game going, it's probably just a minor injury or like a pulled muscle or something along those lines. But everyone always jumps to the worst, so that's why I say you shouldn't just jump to that just because they recategorized what injuries and illnesses are for this time. Right. 
And then the other big news this week in the NHL, obviously all the camps started, so we're in phase three now. So you have everybody and anybody that's part of a roster that's currently fit to plays, practicing and scrimmaging and doing all the things that they would normally do for practices to try to get ready for the exhibition matches, which... Don't get me started about those matches. It seemed like the NHL literally hand-picked rivalries just for giggles. No, they did it to get viewership up before it comes time for the playoffs. I agree that they did contrive that sort of face-to-face against a bunch of rivals. My, my big concern is, as it's being an exhibition and you're playing teams that are in your own conference, you're in a stipulation where hey, maybe hurting that guy before the playoffs start isn't such a bad thing, you know? Like, is that going to come across the table? And then how well is the NHL going to handle those situations as they spring up? Because you know they will. It's just a matter of how bad it's going to get. Well, I wouldn't jump to that conclusion. My concern would more be the fact that there's always so much emotion tied up to these rivalries that I think someone's going to get hot-headed or someone's going to get too emotionally involved and that'll create a problem. I don't know necessarily that someone's going to be thinking that far ahead that they want to injure someone in their own conference. Right, so like even watching the inter-squad games today, your own team on your own team, Jack Johnson laid some pretty big hits on his own teammates, and I'm like, dude! I mean, part of that is just how big he is. It has nothing to do with him actually wanting to hurt his own team. Yeah, and realistically, like, if you are a defenseman, you do have to get your body ready to make big hits on players, especially come playoff time. It's not something that you just jump back into. It's not riding a bike, like, not every day at home while you're waiting around for three months. Did you get the opportunity for another 180? a 200 plus pound man running into you at ice speeds you know i mean you get your kid or your wife to get checked yeah just double them up and have them run right at you yeah yeah but also in the sports news with nhl we had a lot of the trophy and award finalists announced so the biggest one that everybody kind of looks forward to every year being the calder trophy uh, nominees that being the rookie of the year if you follow us on social media, you saw my celebration for Kubalik being announced as one of the finalists for the Calder Trophy. Looking at the statistics, I don't feel as comfortable as I did coming into it. Like, well, and you were going to throw a fit if he wasn't a finalist. Like, you were talking about it before COVID even officially became a thing in the United States. So my dilemma was you had a lot of pundits out there and sports broadcasters speaking about how he doesn't even deserve to be in the top five. And... Going back and looking at the stats of all the players that were in the running to even be a finalist before they eliminated it down to the final three, every category Dominique Kubelik was in the top three. So that's what frustrated me a little bit as a Blackhawks fan. It was just like, okay, here we go again, just not caring about my team at all. Like, Well, I think part of the reason these pundits feel that way about your team is because you were performing so poorly that even though he was a standout rookie, your team's badness just overshadowed. Yeah, and and I can agree with that, definitely. And that's an argument as to why like players like Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr were obviously given a final spot. Yeah, they playing on teams like Vancouver, who Vancouver was a good team last year, they were definitely improving, but this year they were pretty they were a pretty solid team and yeah. it definitely had to do with a lot of what he had to do. It is kinda of weird this year with the Calder trophy nominations though, it's two defensemen and a winger, which is not, not a normal thing for the Calder trophy. Well um, it's not a normal year either, so you have Kale McCarr from the Avalanche, his defenseman, has a total of 50 points on the season, 38 assists, 12 goals. His plus minus for the year is plus 12, which is definitely impressive for a rookie, you know. Yeah. 
rookies are nor- notorious for being single digits in the plus minus most of the time because they're playing for the third or fourth line. Yeah, they're not playing on your top lines usually. Right. And then you have Quinn Hughes, defenseman as well for the Vancouver Canucks. 53 points, 45 assists, 8 goals. The frightening thing for Quinn Hughes was he, as a defenseman, put up a lot of points on the board, but he was still negative 10. Mm, that's weird. So when he got the final spot, I was like, well, I go, he does have more points than most of the other players in the NHL. Um, I actually believe he leads the rookies with that category. But he he also allows a lot of goals in as a defenseman, which is not really... What you want in a what defenseman? What you want as a category in a defenseman is to be mm. a negative 10. And then we have, obviously, Dominic Kubelik running off the back group of that. 46 points on the year, 16 assists, 30 goals, only at a plus 2, which is kind of a standard, again, for... A rookie, Working. yeah. Usually plus five, plus six, swaying down like maybe a negative two is pretty much where most rookies end up. So. Well, I don't know what line Kubelik's been playing on, but I know that your whole team's been playing like a third line team the whole way through. Yeah, they, he, he's been up and down in a couple spots. He started the year in the third line, ended up performing so well that it was a no-brainer to put him on the first line. Yeah. And then you saw him kind of bouncing back and forth between the first and second line, whether they're in a pair with Taze or Kane, just to kind of see what magic could happen. Yeah. But the kid is playing amazing hockey and there's no doubts about it just like all three of them let's be honest are performing very very well for the season yeah I think it's just hard to compare the two defensemen versus the one offensive player because then your numbers aren't really going to work the same yeah so you can't just go based off numbers exactly yeah the best stats you can get really is as much as you get related to that and then time on ice time on ice was pretty even for all three they're really yeah. not that different from one another um the defensemen obviously are on the ice a little bit more because usually there's only three lines worth of defensemen on, yeah. the, on a roster versus four for the, the offensive players offensive players yeah so it it's exciting to see Google League there he's amongst good talent and that that makes me nervous, obviously, as a Blackhawks fan. I'd love to see him win it. Obviously, Panarin was the most recent winner of that award through the Blackhawks organization. Yeah. A uh, deserving player at that point, that even this year. He'll be discussed as we, we go along when it comes to total goals. He's up there near the top of the list. It's it's definitely going to be a close race, I think, in the Calder Trophy this year. It's not going to be something where somebody's blowing everybody out of the water by any means. I think it's going to be a very, very close vote from the organization to figure that out. So... Uh, next one we have is the Jack Adams Award, which is the most improved coach, or like basically MVP coach, more or less. Okay. Um, you have Bruce Cassidy of the Boston Bruins. Led the team to a 44-14-2 record on the regular season this year with over 100 points for the regular season. Considering the season was cut short, it you know, albeit just a few weeks realistically, it's definitely pretty pretty big move for the Bruins. The Bruins have always been a pretty competitive team, but uh, this year they just seemed like they were almost untouchable for a majority of the season. Well, I think one player does not make a team, but I would agree that they're improved over previous years. And then we have John Tortorella, Columbus Blue Jackets head coach. 33-22-15 record. They had, so kind of like the Penguins in the years past and the Blackhawks in previous years as well, when it came to a lot of injury time, players having to step up. Um, you mean every year I've ever watched the Penguins play, but moving on. Well, this year you didn't win that category. <laughs> the most sick people. The most sick or injured <laughs> players uh, due to injury days. It went to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. So the fact that he put up a 33-22-15 record got his team to the playoffs after the miserable year that they had last year. Yeah. It's definitely a solid argument considering he had so many people injured. 
throughout the year as well. It ended up being like in the realm of like 135 days worth of injury time for starting roster players. Yeah. And then you have Elaine Vigneault. I'm going to probably say that wrong, but you know. You probably did. It is what it is. She is the head coach for the Flyers. They were 41, 21, and 7. I, I understand your sigh. I get yeah. it. I feel your pain. They're 41, 21, and 7 record this year. Coming off the team's worst season in 13 previous years. So he turned the team around, clearly. Made some moves and realigned some of the lines. And it seemed to really fire off for the Flyers, which, again, it hurts you me. You hate to see it. You hate to see it, as she always says whenever the Flyers' highlights come on. It It's, it's good to see a team that struggled play well, but... At the same time, it's like, do I really want to see the Flyers do that? Not if you want to be happy in this house. <laughs> Honestly, it could go any way. I think, I think the most impressive ones overall, because the Bruins weren't a bad team last year, would be Tortorella or the Flyers head coach. I agree with your first one. Yeah, because obviously playing with a lot of injuries is, as a head coach, it's tough. It makes you really work that much harder. Well, if you don't have the depth, you have to figure out how to rework your whole system. And that's kind of where Columbus is. They they obviously let some key players go this offseason. Um, they lost their goalie to Florida uh, in Bobrovsky, and they also lost Panarin to New York. So it's it was a rough offseason for Columbus, and that's kind of the reason I think I, that would be where personally where my vote would go out of three and that's not counting like my hate for the flyers but involved it's in there it. yeah it's the there, hate it's not, is there it's not part of my decision though. and then we have the regular season mvp you have the ted Lindsay award uh you have leon dreisaitl who was part of the highest scoring line in the nhl this year go figure that he would be a part of that category has 110 points with 67 assists and 43 goals now here's another weird one it's kind of like the player from the Rookie of the Year run, negative seven. Mm. Even though he's got 110 points. That, that's that's a lot to be negative. Yeah, so, that feels really weird. Yeah, definitely definitely a weird number to go with a player who's leading the NHL in points and is second in goals in the NHL. So it's like kind of strange. Next up, you have Nathan McKinnon, uh, the Colorado Avalanche. It seemed like kind of an avalanche year this year. You have McCarr and... Um, They're doing better than they have been. Yeah. 93 points, 58 assists, 35 goals. And this is what you expect from somebody who's going at the MVP, plus 13. This is nice. a big number right there. McKinnon playing both sides of the puck really, really well, and that, that being pretty important. Now, I told you we were going to come back and talk about Artemi Panarin. He would be the third candidate for the Ted Lindsay Award this year. Well, um, you know we always root for Panera Bread in this house. Yeah, definitely. Panera Bread is, you know, being the ex-Blackhawks player, it's always good to see guys going off and doing other good things. It's just sad to see him doing it somewhere else in Chicago. Well, he, you guys could definitely use the help this year. Yeah, 95 points, 63 assists. 32 goals, but this plus-minus is just mind-blowing. Plus 36. Wow. So not only is the line that he's on producing a lot of offense, but they're playing great two-way hockey. Yeah. Everybody on that line. It's the second best in the NHL with plus 36. And again, when it comes to goals, he was a top-five goal scorer. So again, just impressive year for the young Panarin. Obviously, he's getting... Un- under his feet a little bit more and kind of becoming a veteran at this point but he still has that like childish energy of just ridiculousness that he's well he's got that ice. speed still yeah definitely they, they kind of grow out of as they get older for most players right and so when it comes to that shoot plus 36 as if you were a manager in the nhl i know where my vote would go be the guy that's got a plus 36 on the ice like, yeah 
He's playing the best hockey right now on both sides of the puck, offensively and defensively, and it's just, how do you not give that guy the MVP? Though, I gotta say, even though he's doing well and his line's doing well, I don't think they're gonna win the Stanley Cup. Am I allowed to say that? Well, it's the Rangers. It's, they they either are going to show up well or not at all. And that's just kind of the way they've been over the previous years. And they they definitely are going to be a solid team to contend with in the Eastern Conference. I'll leave it at that. At least you're not in the Eastern Conference. Right. Unlike some of us. Yeah. And then uh, the last major trophy that was announced was the Lady Bing Memorial Trophy. This one was originally based around being a gentleman, more or less, being around, helping your communities, those types of things. Okay. And it seems like this year it's predominantly come down to penalty minutes served. And it's just like... That's weird. It's a strange year for it. The first candidate being Nathan McKinnon. You know, we've heard that name before just in the previous category. And he served 12 minutes of total penalty time uh, with a time on ice average of 21 minutes 13 seconds across the whole season. So Less than a game's worth. Yeah, so he he's... He's definitely doing good things and staying out of the box. And as we saw, he's a good plus-minus, so he's playing good hockey on both ends of the puck as well. So, yeah. um, I just want to know where he factors in on the gentleman side of this whole... Not being people up, I guess. I don't know. Like, that's the only thing I can really think of argument-wise, because they're basically making yeah. it off of penalty minutes this You're year. not a violent a-hole. Here's a trophy. Yeah. You're not a violent a-hole in a sport where violent people are usually accepted for the most part. Yeah. And then we have Ryan O'Reilly from the St. Louis Blues. Only 10 penalty minutes. It's his. How is that even possible? Yeah, how do you, like, is he even on the ice? That's Are really my question. Are you a goalie? How do you? No. I know he's not a goalie. Yeah. That wasn't a serious question. <laughs> <laughs> it's his sixth season of 11-season career where he had 10 penalty minutes or less. So he's notorious for really not being in the box that much. No, he's notorious for not getting caught. Yeah, he's very sneaky. Very, very sneaky. <laughs> yeah. And then the one that kind of bottled me, because when I saw it, I saw the list, and my brain was like, I feel like Austin Matthews did something kind of, as you would call, Kane-ish, related to Patrick Kane's fiascos that he's caused over the years. And I I wasn't incorrect, and it, it was kind of worse than I expected it to be, to be completely honest. I just thought it was just drunken charades, because, again, it wasn't very well covered by anybody in the news last year. I hope you mean shenanigans and not charades. No one should get in trouble for doing drunken charades. Yes, drunken shenanigans. Okay. But a lot of pundits are kind of speaking out about it. Like, how how is he in a category of gentlemanship and sportsmanship when last year he was involved in an instance where he dropped Trow in front of a female security guard while trying to enter her vehicle. He should be on a sexual predator list, to be honest. Well, he's got the mustache to match, but that's not here nor there. But at the same time, it's like, how do you... Overlook that? Yeah! it's, it's It hasn't even been a year. It's within the last year. So it's not like it was during the season time, but it's just like, it happens. Yeah. The fact that it happened should immediately remove you from an award based on being a gentleman and a good sport. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just... Does he have, like, zero penalty minutes? Is that why? He has the lowest penalty minutes in his career this year. And one of the... I believe he was, like, top five in penalty minutes served this year. Like, when it comes to lowest amount. How many? I, I didn't have the exact number. But it was, like, can't just... 
base an award based on being a gentleman off of penalty minutes when you've done something like that. And I'm well, sure no, you can agree. It just seems like... I think Kane should still be arrested, but that's a different story. Yeah, for another day. He had eight penalty minutes. Yeah, so, you know, lowest of the three that were there, but that's, at the same time... I'm sure you could have found someone else close to these numbers. And, and probably been better off. Yeah. Yeah. The last bit of news I have from the NHL would definitely just come down to the facilities for these matches that are coming up with the playoffs and so on uh, in the actual hub cities. Yeah. They, at Rogers Place in Edmonton, had a large storm hit the arena. Because it's 2020 and why not? Right. There was no damage to the actual ice rink facility inside the stadium. However, the entryways were under about like six inches of water and it seemed like water was still pouring out of the ceiling. Oh, um, we know how that goes. Yeah, you know, more recently to us. So <laughs> Rogers Center, you know, or Rogers Place, we're sorry that you went through that, but uh, we, we know how you feel. But Is that where the Western Conference That's is where going? the Western Conference games are going to be played. Enjoy your water damage. Yeah, and they, they're still having small, they're finding small leaks throughout the stadium still, like almost a week after this occurred. Yeah. But they're saying facilities damage-wise, it's not something that they can't fix before the playoffs start, which I guess is good news. That is good news. I don't know where else we would have had to go, to be honest. At this point, it's too late. Everything's pretty much planned at this point. You know, shy of flights being booked, I would imagine everything's pretty much done. But that's all the news I have for the NHL. Did you have anything for the MLB or for... Anybody? All I know is that the NFL has started to come out with their COVID-19 protocols that they're negotiating with the players union. Yeah. But that is still so far out of my head that it's not really newsworthy. Yeah, they haven't really come to really any term details that they're agreeing on currently. I know that I have the COVID testing report that came back from the Players Association. 72 players tested positive um, since July 10th is the current report that they released. Okay. The exact number of players tested was not released. Um, so you have no idea if that's a good number or a bad number? 73. We don't know. It's just kind of one of those things. But the rough estimate of max players set to already be coming to camp was 2,800. So if it was over 2,800, it's not nearly as bad. It's still too 2.5% of the players at that point, so it's not not great. <laughs> but there's a lot of NFL news going on. They obviously announced training camp return dates this week. Rookies can report as early as this upcoming Tuesday to camp. The quarterbacks and injured players can report as early as July 23rd to camp. And then all other players are allowed to report to camp as of July 28th. The preseason schedules roughly, uh, obviously this is still up in the air because the NFL hasn't announced whether they're going to cancel the remaining preseason matches or not because normally they play quite a few more than just two, which is what they currently have on the docket right now. But preseason week one currently tentatively is scheduled to start August 20th through the 24th. And then week two would be August 27th through the 31st currently. Uh, the first game of the regular season will be between the Chiefs and the Texans. That will be September 10th. Again, I have an asterisk next to it because tentative if anything else comes up. In Everything is at this point. Everything for the NFL to me just doesn't feel like it's going to happen because it's still far enough out in the time of COVID that 
you know, you can't really count on anything until you're only a week or two out. And even then, it's questionable. And then the camp CBA, when it comes to the agreement currently for camps for COVID, is only going to allow 20 players in a training facility at a time. So maybe you do your offense one day and defense the next day. Like, that's the only thing I can really think of currently for, like, training camp. I was going to say your O-line is, like, already 11 players, right? And that's without anyone to, like, replace anyone. So, yeah, more like, or less. Yeah. You have no other option, right? Or do you do, like, half lines practicing against each other? It's going to be weird to see teams try to figure out how they get the 20 players together. I think the NFL is going to hopefully push for a CBA to be approved because otherwise it's going to be really weird practices for a little while. Um, definitely going to be stranger, that's for sure. And then the other big news this week in the NFL, Washington Redskins have agreed to change their team's name. It'll no longer be the Redskins, they'll be the Washington Blanks. Insert name here. Well, I feel like they still wouldn't have a name whether that kid did that thing or not. But at the same time, this should have happened a long time ago. So because of that, EA Sports had to be on the fly and remove everything Redskins symbols and names off of everything for the game. Usually Madden comes out before the preseason games kick off. So it's going to be weird to have a game possibly with either delayed because of this. It would have to be, I would assume. Or they just wait to do like an update and just put all the coding in for whatever team name is going to come. And then they just push that update and then it'll be the Washington, again, insert your name here, blanks. Yeah. And Washington Redskins did not stay out of the news cycle this week with the, the NFL. They had not a really great bit of news to come with the not great a bit of news they already had going this week. Members of the Washington Redskins organization were accused of sexual harassment and verbal abuse by 15 different women. The 15 accusations brought forward against higher members of the front office staff and scouting staff were predominantly who was the allegations were brought up against. Yeah. Most of the accused have already been released from their roles previously or currently in the process of being released from the organization. I don't know how you're not instantly fired. The NFL organization as well um, is sending in a third-party investigation team to look into all these accusations and properly look into it. We know that it did not go well for Antonio Brown with one of those groups earlier last year. So I'm hoping that the NFL organization as a whole holds these people accountable. They haven't come down with any judgments related to what the penalties and fines are going to be for the organization for not doing anything about it previously. Well... I have trouble trusting that they're going to do anything about it because we've seen what sports organizations are like about allegations of sexual harassment and sexual assault. So for me, this is a really touchy subject because like I already am not a huge fan of sports and then something like this happens and it makes me just want to throw up my hands because of course in this male dominated society, this is something that's happening. Right. The owners did come together in a time related to these sports. The nice thing that the NFL and other major sporting organizations have the ability to, the owners come together and have a meeting without the said owner of the organization and decide whether they're going to force the owner to sell the team. Currently, they've decided not to until the investigation comes back to prove otherwise. If he is included in knowing about these things and sweeping it under the rug, I would be willing to bet that the ownership will get relieved of ownership of the organization just because it's happened in the past. You know, ask the LA Clippers how that worked out. 
their owner was dropping all sorts of racial slurs and things like that, and he is no longer the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers. So I think you're going to have a harder time with getting this to actually happen because it is sexual harassment and sexual assault against women, and I think it's harder in this sport and this society to hold men accountable for their behavior towards women rather than how they treat other men. And I think that's going to be the big difference here. I think there should just be a total overhaul in the management and frontline whatever because obviously someone had to have seen something. You can't live in that culture and not see what's going on at all. Yeah, as an owner, you're part of pretty major conversations, so it's not like you can't say you weren't knowing about any of the things. And with that many women accusing people, it's it's blatantly obvious that this was something that existed in their culture as a team. And whether that goes down to the players or not, or it's just the people in the office or whatever, it's still a thing that needs to be addressed. Agreed. Um, In other news in the NFL, kind of bigger things, we obviously had the franchise tag stuff go on this week. So teams had the option to either give extended contracts to players or offer them the franchise tag. So the big signings this week were AJ Green with the Cincinnati Bengals. He was franchise tagged. He immediately signed the contract, $18.2 million for one year of play. And Dak Prescott here in Dallas was offered a couple different contracts that he wasn't too fond of just because they were performance-based because Dak is, he's not a top five quarterback but he's reliable for the most part. And he doesn't want to be held accountable for his play? More, more or less. Um, I mean, I do get it. You'd rather get paid for your job no matter how well you do. Yeah, based on the contracts, the on performance, it would have been anywhere from 33 to $35 million a year for three-year contract is what they were offering him. Okay. Um, so a shorter term than some of the quarterbacks are getting, especially younger quarterbacks like Dak. Instead, he accepted the franchise tag at $31.4 million for one year. Obviously, Dallas Cowboys also brought in Andy Dalton this year, who that poor guy in Cincinnati only had A.J. Green on his offense, and that's about it. And from time to time, A.J. Green was injured, so he was still throwing up seasons with 300-plus yards per game of offense as a quarterback with literally no one that anybody would normally talk about other than A.J. Green on his roster at a given time. So it's definitely going to be a battle for the quarterback role, I think, here in Dallas. I don't think it's going to be just rewarded to Dak because he was there last year, particularly after an 8-8 eight and eight season and still making the playoffs because they played in literally the worst division in the NFL. I think Andy Dalton's going to probably come in here and be like, listen, I'm the pocket quarterback you all dreamed of having here in Dallas uh, and get things done. So... Or the other quarterback's going to have to work for it. That's He's going to work harder. The other big signings that we had this week were normal contract extensions, not franchise tags. We had Derrick Henry, the basically beast mode running back for the Tennessee Titans that literally helped them beat the Patriots more or less single-handed. He just ran through linebackers and threw them off like they were feathers trying to tackle him. For $50 million across four years, that's an annual average value of $12.5 million a year that he's going to be making for four years. Particularly low for a running back who was basically the workforce, in my opinion, of that offense last year. Don't get me wrong, they had a pretty okay offense everywhere else but his running game was the reason they won as many games as they did to even make the playoffs so it's just frustrating to me to see a guy that was such a key component of the organization to be kind of shorted a little bit of money in my mind for a running back 
I understand that running backs are usually shorter contracts and less money because you never know they can get hurt because they are the guys that are right there getting hit by the biggest people, usually speaking. So, like, I get that yeah. risk involved with it. So, we also had Miles Garrett sign a $125 million five year contract. Miles Garrett, most notorious for being suspended last year for beating a Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback with his helmet. I won't dive into it because it's a lot of he said, she said accusations related to it. Miles Garrett says that a racial slur was used by the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers and in turn decided it was a good idea to beat the Steelers player with his own helmet. So both the players were suspended for the remainder of the season, ended up being shortened for both of them just due to the fact that they appealed it. But again, that's, you know, a big payday, $25 million a year. And then last but not least, you had Chris Jones, $85 million across four years, $60 million guaranteed AAV, or $60 million guaranteed AAV of $21.25 million per year. So barring injury and things like that, I think he's going to be the one that collects a good chunk of money there. I was kind of shocked to see the Chiefs spending that kind of money after they just signed Patrick Mahomes to that half a billion dollar contract oh in the previous week. So... Good for them. I guess they still got some money laying around somewhere. Do you not have some sort of cap no, in there, the there NFL? Is an, there is a salary cap in the NFL. and Is it a trillion dollars? No, like, what it, the hell? it's not. And that's what's so shocking for a lot of the players out there that are still going to have to be signed by the Chiefs this year. They're going to be making, like, pennies. Yeah, either that or they're going to be playing for a different team. Yeah. One or the other. The good news is for the Chiefs, they had a lot of their players signed through the next season, so it won't be this year that they're going to feel the struggle bus. It'll probably be next year that they really feel it, so we'll see what actually ends up happening for the Chiefs next year, but as it is right now, they're the big spenders, yeah. without a doubt. And then the last bit of news for the gamers of the world and really the big sports fans of the NFL, the Madden 2199 Club was announced this week. Basically, the guys that are perfected stats for the NFL in the new Madden game are part of a pretty elite organization. Brotherhood is what a lot of people are describing it as. Um, the big names this year were Michael Thomas, the wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints, had one of the best years as a wide receiver for total offense in the entire NFL. The guy was pretty much untouchable. He would shed DBs and linebackers off of him like again like they were nothing like it was high schoolers trying to tackle an NFL player you know and then you had Stefan Gilmore who's a cornerback for New England Patriots he was the guy that wasn't shaken off like a high school player he was attached to the wide receivers like glue had one of his best seasons for interceptions and blocked passes this past season so uh, he's part of the club. Aaron Donald at defensive end from the Los Angeles Rams. He, every year, is almost one of the biggest sack leaders and honestly creates more rushed quarterback moments than I would say most players do in the NFL at the defensive end role. And that's hard for me to say with Cleo Mack, you know, having been a member of my team and still a member of my team in Chicago. And then Christian McCaffrey, the smallest running back probably in the NFL. I'm not going to say the smallest because I'm not 100% certain, but I know you'd be proud of him because he's by far one of the smaller running backs in the NFL, but had the most rushing yards in the NFL last year as a running back. So he's just making things happen with his little feet. Yeah, you know, getting it done. And then, of course, the big money man himself, Patrick Mahomes, numbered the last group of the 99 club that was announced. So kudos to him, doing big things in Kansas City. Obviously, as OU fans, we're not the biggest fans of Patrick Mahomes, as he played a lot of his games for Texas Tech. But at the same time, half a billion dollar payday. Congratulations. Like, that's still quite impressive. On top of that, being brought into the 99 club, deservingly so. This club just sounds like a reason 
for boys to get their ego stroked, but what do I know? And then I've got a little bit of news from the Premier League today. Keep it short and sweet because there really wasn't too much going on with announcements. Leeds United was promoted to the main league from the English Championship. They clinched the number one spot. They're right on through to the Premier League. It's the first time they've been back in the Premier League in 16 years. Wow. Uh, They've been a middle-of-the-road English Championship League type team. Or League One, which is the league below that. I've always the third tier of English soccer, yes. Third tier, but they're League One, which makes no. Well, the other ones have names. Yeah, so it's interesting to see them. It's exciting for them, I'm sure. Literally, coaches. The coach was called by a star from some TV show, and when the coach arrived to the training facility the day after they won the championship. The entire team and staff was outside, social distancingly, uh, celebrating his job well done and getting them up to the Premier League. He literally was crying the whole way he was walking through. That video was tough on the emotions, to say the least. And then the British uh, Prime Minister has said that fans will be able to attend matches starting in October, barring any changes to the current COVID situation in the United Kingdom. Social distancing will be required as well as added sanitizing stations. So I'm kind of confused on how they're going to do that. They're going to seat somebody every six feet in each that, row. That like, would be what you have to do, and, right? And you can't have them row by row. You have to be you'd every other to row, row yeah. or you'd have to do like six feet, put somebody in the row in front, and then six feet, put somebody in the row in the back, and then six feet like that. I feel like that would be the only way to get people in the most into the stadium, but at the same time, I, I think it's exciting to see the idea of fans coming back, and it seems like the Prime Minister, who might as well be a Donald Trump lookalike in politics and personality, taking it seriously yeah you know not being like hey this is a for sure thing but it's like there's a chance and i think that's really what the the world of sports kind of needs at this point we need just that little like hey there's a possibility you'll get to see sports again within the next 12 months yeah (laughs) and that's actually going to wrap up everything i have for the news i had about five pages worth of notes so i'm pretty excited that we were able to power through it and yeah a reasonable time and not make you want to kill me about talking about sports for too long. I can talk about a lot for a long time, but sports, not really in my wheelhouse for that. Right. Well, I'm glad I could educate you and our listeners as to what went on in the chaotic week of sports this week. I feel like it's just going to get more chaotic as we actually get into the teams actually coming together and playing because then you have more chances of contamination and more testing and it can get messy from here. Definitely, definitely. I'm looking forward to watching some matches this week. Yeah. In your squad and then for baseball, actual exhibition games. Teams playing teams. That'd be nice. Yes. But in the meantime, make sure you check us out on all the social media so you can keep up to date with what's going on in the world of sports. And we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.